don't think it can happen to you. The hit and run chase in California, a motorcycle rider witnessing a driver slam into several cars and then speeding away. It can happen to you within seconds, a blink of an eye. Tonight about the man suspected of killing a woman in a hit and run and his plan to evade justice. When you take your eyes off the road for just seconds, when you're driving your car, oh, yes, it can happen to you. See, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. When the sands of time will run out within your hourglass. New at 10, a hit and run caught on video, and now a teenager and his family are looking for the driver who took off. He was a victim of a distracted driver hitting the road while riding his motorcycle going 65 miles per hour. He nearly lost his life. Now on a crusade to help save lives and prevent someone else from becoming a victim, the creator of DistractedDriversBusted.com and now the host of this podcast, it's Howard Drescher. All right, welcome. Welcome to another show of DistractedDriversBusted.com, the podcast show. I am your host, Howard Drescher, the creator of DistractedDriversBusted.com, and of course now this podcast show. And you can follow me on Twitter at DistractedDBTV, at DistractedDBTV, and of course on Facebook, it's DistractedDB. And I got to tell you that I'm pretty excited. I am pretty excited with my guest today. It is finally here. This is part four of a four-part miniseries, Talk Crash to Me. Dawn McKay is my special guest, and I've got to tell you that even though that I have read the book and we have in the past three shows talked about different bits and pieces and different elements in the show or in the book, I should say, I have to tell you, no matter what, I learn more. When Dawn is explaining some things, I appreciate it because what her interpretation is and what mine is and then when she explains it it all makes sense this book is a must read and I have mentioned this in every one of these shows and I'm going to mention it again today this is a must read keep the book in your car get the book keep it in your car I keep it in my car I have it in my briefcase I have it when I go to work I have it when I go home I take it out but then when I go somewhere, I always have that book in my car, no matter what. Because there is certain elements that if you end up in a crash, I got to tell you, you're going to forget. Even though that you've read the book, even though you know as an adult different things that you can do and different things you can't do. And yet, you might, in the heat of the moment, just forget everything. So again... Without further ado, I want to bring on my special guest. Dawn, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you very much, Howard. It's good to be here again tonight with oh, you. Oh, my goodness. It is such a great pleasure having you on the show. And quite honestly, I got to tell you, um, these next couple of chapters we're going to talk about, although that they are no less important, I think in the in the next item that we're going to be talking about here I'll cover a little bit of it in chapter 10 I think for me in this topic um, I had a little bit of a hard time I know you did so let's talk a little bit about getting back behind the wheel after your the crash can some people do it 
automatically? Can some people take long time and have struggles? Everybody's different. Right. Everybody's different. Every, yeah, everybody is certainly different. Um, you know, we're all uh, recovering for, from a motor vehicle crash, and of course every mm-hmm. re- recovery is different. Um, so I, I do hear, um, you know, a, a certain small percentage of drivers do end up getting back behind the wheel um, rather quickly within a few weeks um, after their crash. Um, personally, it took me, I believe, over four months. I don't know how long mm-hmm. it took you to to get back on uh, your motorcycle there, Howard. Did yeah. it take you a while? Uh, yeah. it, it did, it did. And quite honestly, uh, I don't ride as much as I used to anymore based on right. what happened. It, the psychological effect. Granted, you can have, you can have, internal damages you can have broken bones you can have cuts and bruises but the psychological thing i think that lasts longer than the physical it sure does absolutely and i think a lot of uh, crash survivors that are recovering need to know that um, they should take their time before um, getting back behind the wheel of a vehicle um, because of, um, you know, a lot of us uh, suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, which includes flashbacks, et cetera. And, of course, your anxiety might be uh, at a high level where it wasn't before the crash. So my recommendation was certainly um, take your time until you feel comfortable. And I think a lot of family members and friends and maybe even some colleagues might be saying, you know, uh, are you driving yet? And, you, you know, you just need to do it, get back behind the wheel. And But you, you can't necessarily, um, you know, take their advice. It's your own comfort level. You have to follow your own comfort level because, you know, you don't want to get back behind the wheel of a vehicle until you feel comfortable enough because it might, it might set you back and, uh, you know, you might have, you might even have problem, uh, problems focusing, et cetera. And, you know, what, after four months, I just decided to take a small drive around the block because I just, one day I just kind of said, I want to try it. I want to see if I'm comfortable behind the wheel. And, of course, I took someone with me. So that's another thing I would recommend. Um, certainly don't just get into your vehicle or someone else's vehicle and go out on your own. You should always take someone with you just in case. You know, you don't feel comfortable enough or you can't drive back, et cetera. So that's what I would certainly recommend. Well, so basically, you know, like in most cases, like you said, everybody has a different tolerance level. Some people can just like within a week or so, some people within a couple of months, some people it could even take years. And they always talk sure. about, you know, sure. and you know how they always talk about, well, if you get thrown off the horse, get right back on it. Uh, in this right. case, you just can't do that. Because I think for for me it was more psychological than physical. Uh, even yeah. even if my wife was driving and I was in the car, I felt like we were coming to a three way stop or a four way stop. I always right. felt like the person just to the right of me. I don't think they were stopping, and I would cringe and I'd go, "Ah!" She's like, "Stop that!" And I'm like, yeah. "I can't." I can't. It ended up where I had to get out of the car and get in the back seat and lay down and let her drive wherever we had to go sure. for a couple of weeks. I, I couldn't look outside. I just had to pretend like I was just laying down like on a sofa just to get right. where I had to go because it was that bad. 
sure. And that was that was the right decision for you to make at that particular time, for sure. Because, you know, if you're not feeling comfortable, you need to stop right away and you need to uh, some, have someone else take over the wheel and, like yourself, get into the back seat and, and, t- and take a time out. Because, you know, you have to have 100% focus behind the wheel of a vehicle. Um, and you, if you feel nervous or even dizzy or or you just don't feel right, then, you know, it's very important to have someone else take over because you're putting other lives at risk. If you're, if you're not feeling quite yourself or comfortable, then you, you really need to stop and, uh, you know, revisit it at a, at a later time because uh, I can't stress it enough how important it is to, you know, have 100% focus um, as you're driving a motor vehicle. Well, you know, like you said, I mean, you could blink out. You can pass out. You get those panic attacks. And like for me, even when I started driving after like I started going back to work, I would drive. And when I saw a car coming up from behind me, I would get panic attacks even when I was stopped at a at a red light or a stop sign where I had to sure. stop and then go. And I saw a car coming up. I just felt like they weren't paying attention. They aren't going to stop. And so I felt they were going to hit me. And it took sure. a long time. It took a very long time for me to to like kind of go, oh, okay, they're okay, they're they're stopping, but in my right. in my mind and my eyes, they weren't stopping, and that's a big fear that I right. had. That, right, sure, because you're you're afraid and you're anxious because you don't want to have what just happened to you happen again. Absolutely, like to this day, I don't feel comfortable driving on a multi-lane highway and I never will feel that comfortable again. My accident didn't happen on a multi-lane highway, but for some reason, I think when I'm on the highway, uh, you know, three or four lanes and, you know, Mm -hmm. there's reckless drivers out there and they're, you know, they're going in and out between lanes, et cetera. And I just, I have a difficult time. It's not that I can't focus, but it's just too much all at once. People oh, I agree. Beating and cutting each other off and uh, switching lanes here, there, and, every, and transport trucks, et cetera. So there's just so much action on a multi-lane highway that I just I I will only do it in an emergency. I really don't feel comfortable to this day. So it's nine years later, and I'll mm-hmm. honestly say I do not feel comfortable driving on that type of a highway anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nine years, yeah. and you're still going through that. So obviously. Yeah. Everybody, like you said, everybody's telling us difference. Now, me, mine lasted a little bit less than not that. You know, I'm thinking five, six years, then I felt really comfortable. But even though today there's certain times and certain locations that I'm at, it's more so where the crash happened. That's where I start to get like a little panic attack. And, oh, okay. and also, too, something else that spun off of that is if I'm stuck in traffic and out here the dreaded 91 freeway that I have to drive on is like four lanes going in one direction, four lanes going in the other directions. But once it bogs down and I'm in the middle lane or or the second or third lane and it's bogged down and I got these big 18-wheelers around me and I got these big Ford trucks with high, Mm -hmm. high wheels around me and everything, I start feeling claustrophobic i never yeah. felt that before i have to roll my window down and i have to tell myself i'm in the moment i'm in the moment just relax you're okay, right. you're okay. 
psychologically, I have to pull myself back out of what could be potentially a very dangerous situation, getting into sure. a panic attack, and which can cause into more of a problem. Absolutely. Now, did you just teach that to yourself? Well, uh, I know, how- no, actually, when I, I went to the doctors after, you know, going through the physical therapy and everything like that, I talked to the doctor and, and well, I was there for an exam and I just yeah. kind of like held my breath without even realizing I was doing it. I was just holding my breath and not breathing. And, and she's looking at me for a long time talking to me and I'm not answering, but I'm not, I'm not breathing. I'm just holding my breath. And she oh, goes, she okay. grabbed me and she goes, Hey, and, and, and I, and then I started breathing and my mind was like, cause we were talking about what happened and I was breathing. I wasn't breathing, and it I was a mechanism that I was using to shut myself down so that way I don't kind of remember what my mind is telling me, don't remember this. And yeah. so by me doing that, she would say, when you get like that, you're driving a car going 50, 60, 70 miles an hour, and you start doing that, you can actually pass out. And, you know, you, then, then you'll crash, and then you'll probably kill yourself if not somebody else. So she said, roll down your windows, breathe, and tell yourself, you're in the moment, you're in the moment, relax, relax. And then I would just do that. And so when I get in that situation, I would relax, and I would be in that kind of moment. Sure. What what excellent advice that is, for sure. Absolutely. You you kind of, you either teach yourself your own coping mechanisms or... You know, if it's psychological, perhaps a a psychologist would uh, teach you some coping mechanisms. So that's wonderful advice that you've just given uh, other crash survivors. Oh yeah, um, out there that are listening for sure. And hopefully, hopefully it can, uh, hopefully you can use it, or somebody else uses it. But as as you were talking about the medical situation, you talk about independent medical exam and assessments. Now, when you're talking about to me, when I see this, is you, you want to be able to obviously go to the doctors. You want to be able to speak your mind. You want to be able to tell them what is wrong with you. And obviously, um, I think in my mind, initially, after the crash, they know why you're there. But when you end up going to your own doctor, and then if you have to get referred to another doctor, they want to hear all about it, this and that. Even though that they say they read the reports, but they want to hear it from you. What do you mean yeah. by all the assessments? Right. Well, just um, I'm just going to uh, repeat what you just said, that, you know, if you get referred to other doctors, which you will, you'll go from one doctor to a next. And even, you're right, and even though they have the report on you right in front of them, they still want you to sit and explain to them everything that happened and what you're going through. And I remember, you know, by the mm-hmm. fifth or sixth doctor, I was getting irritated. And I actually spoke up and said, you have that in the report. Well, no, we need to, you know, and I thought, gosh, I'm, I'm getting tired of, I don't want to talk about it anymore. But, you know, it, it, it goes hand in hand because the doctor wants to get you to know you on a personal level. Um, when I talk about assessments, what I mean by that is, you know, when you have a um, personal injury claim, which means you've retained uh, an attorney, mm-hmm. um, the defense lawyer has a chance to um, have you go to see their doctors that they're recommending. 
So you'll have your own doctors helping you, your your rehabilitation team. You know, you for instance, you know, physio, occupational therapy, maybe a speech language pathologist, uh, um, you know, somebody that specializes in brain injury. You know, the list can go on and on. And um, and as you, as you start to progress in the motor vehicle claim, then the defense lawyer, which is only fair has their chance, even though your attorney is communicating with them all of your medical records that they're asking for, and they have it in front of them from, from licensed professionals, they still have to, it's only fair that they have their own uh, physicians um, do assessments on, on you as well. And those can be very nerve-wracking, of course, because uh, it's very important that when you are asked to go to these assessments, and they're long and they're very tiring, uh, but it's so important because that, that means you're, you're making progress in the motor, motor vehicle claim itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of things I'll just recommend right away when, when, a, when a crash uh, survivor is asked to go into an assessment, that you always have to remember that the physician um, is not your family physician. So anything that they say, because they might have snide remarks. I was, I saw um, uh, a physician uh, for an assessment through the defense lawyer, through the defense lawyer, excuse me, and um, she couldn't understand uh, my pain situation, and she wanted to see the uh, seatbelt wound on my thigh, which uh, you know is 12 inches long. So you can only imagine I had daily nursing for over two months and I, I have a lot of nerve damage on the upper part of my leg. And, you know, underneath her breath, she was just, well, I just can't believe you're in pain, et cetera. And I was told ahead of time, not if, if, a, if the physician you're going to, the, the um, physician that specializes in a certain treatment, if they do say something like that, not to take it to heart. And not to get confrontational, just, you know, just listen and just, and just if it upsets you enough, then you can certainly, um, you know, uh, follow up with your personal injury attorney to let them know that you might have felt uncomfortable or uneasy. But um, I don't think I've heard a crash survivor yet out there that um, is dealing with a motor vehicle claim and has gone to an assessment that has been set up by a defense attorney to not have some kind of negative feedback on the physician with uh, making snide remarks. Wow. I've never heard I've never heard a crash survivor saying, "Oh, it was nothing. You have nothing to worry about." I hear it a lot from crash survivors that you know because you know we're trying to gain our confidence back and get on with our life, mm-hmm. and now you might find yourself in a situation with a physician that is pretty much hired by a defense attorney to now kind of downplay your injuries. Oh, I see. Which would kind of make you take a step back. You know, so it's really important for survivors out there to know that if they are in that situation, to, to not take it at heart. Because we're all trying so hard to move forward in our recovery and, you know, when you hear something from a licensed professional that they're, they're doubting your injuries, you know, that could set you back, any crash survivor out there. So you have to really remain confident and just, just take it with a grain of salt because they will have their own opinion, you yeah. know. You're right. You're yeah. right. 
All right, yeah. my guest today is uh, Don McKay. This is part four of a four-part miniseries, Talk Crash to Me. She's um, a victim, survivor, author. And this book, like I said before in the past three shows, is a must-read. Because there are things in here that if i known when I had my crash, I would probably be better off than what I am today. And, of course, some things in this book, well, I did do what was recommended in this book. But there are things that I never even dreamt about. And I'm thinking, man, if, if I knew this, this makes sense. This makes sense. And then if I didn't do something, then I wouldn't have understood it. But when I did do it, I understood what I did because I already done it. So this book is an easy read. But it's very, very informative, and I'm glad that she wrote this book. And it's kind of important. And we've been touching over the last three weeks just a couple of things in each chapter. Now, we've decided to let the last two chapters kind of go on its own. Get the book, read the entire book, and you also find out some nice tidbits in the last two chapters, which I think are very wonderful. And... We always talk about from the crash to kind of getting back up on your feet. And with getting back on your feet, you want to be able to try to go ahead and move forward with your life. Going through all the aches and pains of filing all the paperwork, finding an attorney, getting the paperwork done, going through all the appointments, doing everything. Dawn has wrote it all down in the book here. And... When we think about this, which is something that is very, really, I think one of the most key important things is in this last topic is really about you, your need to allow enough time. And there's many ways to look at this. And Don, when you talk about this chapter here, you need to allow yourself enough time. You're talking everything from start to finish and then some in a way. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about what you're talking about here. Right. Well, as we were, we were discussing earlier about, um, you know, we're all in a motor vehicle crash trying our best to recover. And, of course, every recovery is different. There's no similar recovery out there for anybody um, so when I, when I speak to that, I, I just want crash survivors to realize that it's not a rush. It's not a race. Um, you really need to take all the time that you need before you feel comfortable enough, whether it's get the, to get behind the wheel of the vehicle, as we spoke about, mm-hmm. whether it's to go back to your full-time job or part-time job. Um, you know, I think a lot of people might, um, been in a crash and then i think we spoke to this um a couple of episodes ago that uh, they seem to think they feel fine and they return to work too soon mm-hmm. and within a week or two they realize that something <clears throat> excuse me is going on with their back or their shoulder and uh, they realize that it could be something permanent <clears throat> excuse me something in my throat there <laughs> they realize um that they had gone back to work far too soon so I, I think every crash survivor that is recovering needs to know 
that you shouldn't feel pressured by anybody. And when I say anybody, that means it could be your friends, your family, your colleagues, um, you know, spouses, you know, if there's children involved, etc. Um, you know, anybody that is close enough to you and part of your life should never be pressuring you to say, well, you know, you need to get over it. You need to get back, uh, you know, to your life and you need to get back behind the wheel of a car. You need to get back to work. You need to start going back to the gym, et cetera, and get back, back on track. But only the crash survivor knows when they're ready. So I, I would just um, try to emphasize to take your time and it, it's not a race. And I, I know it's going to be hard and full of lots of struggles and challenges, especially financially, because your your life has been disrupted in a matter of seconds where you, you don't know where your next income is going to come from. But I, I can't stress enough that it's just so important to to look after yourself and make sure that, that you feel uh, comfortable enough to return back to where your life once was. And, and, of course, with that said, you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. You could, be, you could be, like, doing, you know, going to your doctor, doing the physical therapy and everything. You feel fine. The next day you're fine. But then the next day after that you go, oh, my gosh, what's going on? And then, and then you start doubting yourself. Okay, am I actually getting better or is this fool's gold? Do I feel good? Or because I was at the doctor, they say I'm I'm looking better. Oh, I feel good. But then your mind is telling you something different. Or is your body playing tricks on you to make you think that you're not feeling better? And then maybe the next day or two after that, you feel fine. That's right. And and a lot of us, it's human nature. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're all hardwired for the most part. So be, before you get into a motor vehicle crash, you know, some people could be holding down one or two jobs. And they could have three or four young kids that are in school and you're dropping them off and picking them up and you're going to work and, and life is wonderful and you're, you're doing so many things. And then all of a sudden, within a, a few seconds, you, your life comes to a screeching halt and uh, you, ha- you have to look after yourself. And because you're in your nature, you were doing so much. So, you know, if you're at the head of the household or, um, you know, a single parent, perhaps, you know, with mm-hmm. a mortgage and uh, not being thinking in their mind, you know, I, I can't take this time off of work because where am I going to get my income? So I think we're just we're hardwired that way to say, well, I, I can't. I've got too much on the go right now. You know, I've got these projects on the go. Who's going to look after the kids? And who's going to do this? And I, I'm not going to be able to get my paycheck. And am I going to lose my job? So there's just there's so much going on at once that I think crash survivors really need to just take a step back because it's not just going to be one or two things. It's going to be at least a dozen things going through your mind all at once. Yeah. And you, you, you just can't rush it because if you're, if you're concerned about everything that is going on in your life right before the crash and everything that has to be taken care of, then, then you're going to you're going to go back to your old life far too quickly, and it might be even more damaging because you need to allow your your body and your mind to just you know just to take a step back and just um, you know decompose and 
and and and go from there to figure out how long your recovery is going to be for your injuries, etc. Exactly, exactly. Don, hey, I want to thank you for being part of this four-part mini-series. It has been an honor and a privilege to have you, and I honestly can say I am proud to have you as a friend, and I'm proud to have you on my podcast to talk about your book because I myself have learned some a few things, if you will. Well, thank you very much, Howard. I really appreciate that. And and if anybody, you know, that anybody that's listening, I just need everyone to realize that they're, you know, that they're not alone. Craft survivors are not alone. Mm-hmm. And I, I encourage everyone out there that may be struggling at home right now to um, head to my website, crashsupportnetwork.com, uh, and join the online support group, subscribe to the quarterly newsletter, sharing our recovery, and also uh, go on to Amazon and, and have a look at my book, Talk Crash to Me, and uh, perhaps order it and treat yourself to a lovely uh, holiday gift this Christmas season. I appreciate it, Don, and thank yeah. you for being with me. Thank you, my friend. Okay, all right, thank you. You've been listening to DistractedDriversBusted.com, the podcast show. This concludes our four-part miniseries. I'm hoping that Don actually goes out and writes another book, and I hope it's going to be just as informative as this one. And remember, go to Amazon, buy the book. It's worth it. Trust me. I, I've learned so much. Again, you've been listening to DistractedDriversBusted.com, the podcast show. Remember, I don't want to die today, do you? Don't let anyone take the sands of time within your own hourglass. Until next week, be safe.